Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about fandom, um, fandom siloing, uh, poly fandom lifestyle choices, <laughs> toxic people, setting boundaries, uh, and, um, and exploring your right to do so. Because there is this mentality in, in fandom when you are a known entity um, as a writer. Um, I don't want to get into that whole BNF shit um, where um, there is this uh, sense of ownership people have over you and your work. And I've experienced this repeatedly over, you know, in the past. Um, it is worse in some fandoms than it is in others. Okay, so siloing is, um, it's actually a term that I learned in corporate America, actually. It's where you kind of, everything is aligned in a... Um, your alignments are vertical instead of horizontal. And so people who are of like-mindedness go into, go into a group, they go into their own silo as opposed to having like spread out. So in the early days of, you know, when I joined fandom, you know, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, um, that was pretty much all we had. We didn't have archives. We didn't have cross fandom spaces for the most part. Live journal was pretty much one of the first places you had the potential to have a big cross fandom spaces, but it's still, even with that potential, it's still siloed, right? And sometimes just siloing by fandom wasn't enough. People would would um, silo by ship, right? Like it's just, just the people who want this pairing in this fandom. Or it would be just the slashers or just the het people separate from each other. Or, you know, and then they just get people who want to read, um, you know, read Jack Daniel with Jack as the top only. I mean, people would get very, you know, very specific about their silo and they would go all in, in where they were. And so with people who are coming into fandom in the age of AO3 and the age of Tumblr, um, um, they probably never experienced that where fandom was just heavily broken up, not just by fandom, but within a big fandom broken up into, into ship. And sometimes within a ship in, you know, based upon who, who gets, who's on top. Yes. I've seen that. Okay. I have seen a ship broken up to who gets to do the fucking and who has to, who, who's getting fucked. I mean, there's a fairly well-known, um, uh, link archive in Stargate where they ask you to warn if Jack O'Neill bottoms. So, yeah, that's a warning. Bottom Jack is a warning. It wasn't even a like warning. a... Not even <laughs> not even in content tag. Because a content tag, you could argue, is something somebody might want to seek out, right? Like, um, on AO3, some people tag their works, like, for, you know, character of color in the story, which is actually for people who are seeking People were thinking that was a warning, and I saw some people getting bent about it, like like bent about the fact that people would warn for that. But it's actually that's a content tag, and part of the problem with content tags and warnings being mixed in like that is you can't really tell what the author intends to be a warning and what you intend to be a, a selling point, right? So, but in any case, on this archive, it was in the warning list. It was not, not ambiguous what they meant by bottom jack being an issue for them. Um. I think there was a time in the in in the past where in fandom where when it comes to slash they wanted you to put the top first and then slash the bottom, um, but that's dumb. And we also it 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 might be a way a way to let people know um, 
what's going on there, except that in force, we can't even get people to use the slash properly. So we're certainly not going to get them to put people in the proper order. But also, you know, no. I mean, considering how the slash actually originated with Kirk and Spock, um, I don't believe that for a minute, that that, that that was how it began. Because I've read some old school Kirk Spock, and it's always been Kirk Spock. K slash S, Kirk Spock. That's what's always been. And I've seen plenty of fix where where Spock was the top. So no matter how fandom may have come to use it, that wasn't how it started. Because the slash in slash comes from Kirk slash Spock. That's the granddaddy right there. Which is why it's so offensive when somebody uses the term sport. What is it? Uh, yeah. Well, it's also why it's offensive. I, my mouth it's got dry just saying it. It's also why it's offensive when people don't use, when they use the slash for a platonic pairing. It's like, why did you use a slash? They go, oh, that, that applies to any kind of relationship in a story. No, it doesn't. No. It implies it implies a sexual or romantic pairing. So when you put, you know, Sheriff Zelensky Styles, you're not saying father-son. I mean, you may think that's what you're saying, but we all think you're weird. And there's then a whole you, oh. citrus. There's a whole citrus scale, which I find great. It's very immature. I find the scale very immature. I know it comes from like uh, protecting themselves, like on fanfiction.net, and trying to get around um, censoring and shit. But I still think it's extremely immature to see grown ass adults calling um, a sex scene a lemon. At all? Well, part of I think. When people got exiled from fanfiction.net, they went to adultfanfiction.net because supposedly that's what it was for. Although it is like the worst archive ever. It's terrible. Their software is awful. But anyway, whatever. Um, and that's their warning system over there. So that's where a lot of people learned it, I think, was over there. Although I think they only use lemon, lime, and... Grapefruit? No, no. Grape <laughs> no, definitely not. Grapefruit definitely not there. But anyway, there's a... um. The, the citrus scale is huge. Orange. orange, Lemon, limes, and oranges. Uh, but I don't even remember what orange is anymore. I remember lemon and lime, but I don't remember orange. But there's actually a deeply unfortunate entire... First time I saw the entire citrus scale, I went... Yeah, I, mean, I know the citrus scale started in anime, and the, the adult fanfiction adopted it, and I understand why they adopted it. I just think it's immature. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It depends. I mean, I've seen different interpretations of that, but it, yeah, fetishization in there for sure. But fe usually, I, what I see is fetishization of of non-con. So, like, you know, I mean, honestly, when I see an adult referring to a sex scene as a lemon, um... <laughs> I, it's funny. The thing it could just be that they came out of anime, or that they spent way too much time on adultfanfiction.net. I just can't take it seriously. I mean, okay, but so you know, they there are there are these little things in fandom that that we use to, um, what's the term I'm looking for here? I mean, short speak. Yeah, but you kind of build boxes with this kind of language. Yeah, it leaves it leaves people out, you know. Um, when you don't use terms that everybody understands in the euphemisms, yes, it it, it creates be it, it allows for you to create behave to have behaviors that are um, damaging and abusive, and it, in group language can get completely um out of hand. 
Yes. Thanks, Shadow, for that. Um, it's just, it's, I mean, first it's a joke, and then it becomes like, oh, well, you weren't here for that, so you don't get to know. That's for you to find, that, that's for me to know and you to find out. Have you ever had somebody say it to your face? Because if you have, you've had that moment where you wanted to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> but those kinds of behaviors are can are common in these siloed communities on Facebook, on on Yahoo groups that are going away for very good reason. Um, I mean, it could happen on Discord. Uh, it does happen on Discord because, I mean, I've I've tried out a few other Discord servers, and some of them. Some are cool. I mean, there there are some great Discord servers that are centered around fandom, but some of them came out of other places, right, where they were already small, clickish groups, and that small, clickish behavior has followed them over to Discord, um, where, I mean, they're in, the in-group, the in-speak, the in-group dynamics are impossible to even decipher, much less penetrate. Um, it's like, what are you talking about? You know, and it's like, it, it's just... And it shouldn't be. And yes, people have been around each other a long time, know things that somebody, a new person wouldn't know. Um, like we joke about the Azure rule, right? Okay, we joke about it, that you shouldn't read anything on Facebook. In, in, specifically about Minion Headquarters. You shouldn't be reading anything in Minion Headquarters while eating or drinking so that you didn't choke and kill yourself or ruin a keyboard <laughs> right that was what the azure rule was right so follow the azure rule anybody who wasn't around when that rule was made wouldn't know what that rule was wouldn't know what that meant the azure rule so i saw somebody ask one day and it wasn't in, in minion headquarters and somebody's response to them was if you don't know you don't deserve to know Rude. i was like i was like and so i immediately explained because no if somebody wants to understand something that they weren't around for the inception of, you explain. And that's what, what, what happens is when people, and I, I use ourselves as an example there, because sometimes even groups that are really large and try to be inclusive, you know, people do tend to kind of form smaller groups within a large group. We're, we're pushing, what, 800 people on this server, I think, right um, now? I shall check. Remember. 814. Oh, we crossed eight, past 800. Okay. People will farm smaller groups or people will have been present for a conversation that somebody else wasn't present for that maybe a lot of people saw or, or the something about the podcast, you know, is, is referenced. And the polite thing to do is when somebody asks, you explain. That's what you do. You don't say things like, you know, you, know, you, don't, if, deserve if you, to know. you don't deserve to know or in any way make them feel less for not understanding something. That is bullshit clickish behavior. So, um, I mean... In the case of the turducken, I think that it's actually, it would be a service for you to protect new members from that. <laughs> but if they want to know about the turducken, you just send them the link to the podcast. Say, it's all explained here. Here's <laughs> but warn them that they don't really want to know. You probably don't want to know about the turducken, but here's the podcast. <laughs> here's the podcast. On the other hand, bringing up the turducken over and over and over again and then telling people they don't want to know what it means is, is bullshit. Rude. So, um, 
so people, especially new people in a fandom, can feel very lost. It feels being on the outside of a fandom dialogue where you don't understand the terminology, um, you don't understand the references people are making, you don't understand the in jokes. It can be daunting, right? And there are a reason that some people lurk in fandom forever is because for whatever reason, either they're sometimes they're sh they're shy, and sometimes it's because they don't feel like they can penetrate that in-group dynamic and sometimes that in-group dynamic encompasses 3,000 or 4,000 people I've seen big fandom groups that are all in this weird mob mindset um so and that kind of thing it, it can lead to toxic behaviors and there's also when you're with a group of people who are like you in the way they think and like you in your experiences and like you in they're similar to you in the things you appreciate it can be you, you might not even notice the in-group dynamics that develop and the, there's a lack of inclination to look at yourself and kind of go am i doing things that exclude other people um did you I see what dark just said no she's a lying she she's liar a lies <laughs> You're not he a lurker. A Willow's a lurker. <laughs> you're not a lurker. You don't qualify for that. Unless you mean you're a gold star lurker somewhere else. <laughs> we are your tribe. We are, we're, just, we're totally but, your tribe, honey. You know, sometimes I, I will say something about myself. Like, um, I'm being an asshole or, or I was being a little bitchy or my old lady brain and I can't keep up with this shit. And when I make these jokes about myself, I'm opening myself up for other people to make those jokes about me as well. And I'm aware of that. And what we need to keep in mind is that there are people are on in our groups who are not neurotypical, um, who might not grasp when it's appropriate to tell a joke or not, or when to make fun of me for forgetting something um, that they said to me two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to keep that in mind because, you know, I might have forgotten what they said two minutes ago. It happens. Because I did forget what I said two minutes ago. I mean, I don't even know. So, you know, but we are a very large group. There are bigger groups and the bigger the group becomes, the more easy a mob situation can develop, which is why you need... um moderation teams that are um proactive uh thoughtful emotionally mature and willing to call somebody to task and say hey you're not behaving very well and we don't like it stop it <laughs> and honestly this is gonna sound weird so it's like people probably probably not always, but probably in, in, in direct conversation, people probably treat like Kira like better than they would treat anybody else. And the funny thing is, I actually want to see the worst of somebody. I don't expect people to treat me any better than they treat anybody else. And I would hope that they would treat me the worst because how they interact with me as an admin or a moderator, uh, I would want them treating everybody else nicer than me. Not that I've given you guys an example, you know, a, a, License to treat me like shit. That's not my point. And just saying that. I guess the point would be. Is that if you're willing to treat. One of us like shit. 
how are you treating other people on the server? So if someone's a little snarky with me, I'm like, that's I'm, I don't mind. I don't, honestly, I don't care. As long as it's not a full, <laughs> full on asshole. But it's like, I want people to treat me like they would treat anybody else. And so if they're a little bit snarky with me, I fear they're probably a little bit snarky with everybody. But the problem is, is the way that behavior usually goes is if somebody's like getting a little bit shirty with me, is they're probably being a total asshole to somebody else. Right. And that's not cricket. Um, Cause I'm more concerned about how people on the server treat each other than how they treat me way more concerned with it. So. Well, and also that being said, Crossroads is our personal social circle. Um, it's not a work group. It's, you know, where we come together and, and talk and chat and talk about fandom and, and play and, and share videos and share weird emoji. Compl- I have is no that, idea what that's going on with that. What is, is that a that? paddle? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's crickets. Okay. It's, it's a cricket and a cricket bat. It did look like a paddle to me, too. I was sitting here going, this conversation. Like, is she going to spike that cricket? I don't understand. How did we get here? <laughs> I said something wasn't cricket. and <laughs> Now we got cricket yeah. BDSM. Okay. I mean, I'm not shaming her kink. I do shame some kinks and I don't care. I'm just saying. Um, and some of them aren't kinks. I don't care what you say. <laughs> some of them are back criminal acts. Um, but if it's a crime, it's not a kink. <laughs> just saying. Um, and I'm not counting some of those creepy ass blue laws. They're still in the books and literally everywhere in the United States. But anyway. Um, so. We are definitely sensitive to like in-group dynamics and clickish behavior, and it sometimes it's going to happen no matter what because groups, small groups, and a large group do form, and there are things that maybe only the people who were there for it will ever really truly understand. But the the key is not it's not to not ever reference those things. It's just when people are curious, make them feel included. If someone wants to know, don't make them feel bad for not knowing something. I actually find that really actually really obnoxious is when. Somebody doesn't know something, and especially a lurker who is willing to de-lurk to admit that they don't know something and they're curious and they're shamed for their lack of knowledge. Because how in the world is someone going to be able to Google what is Kira talking about when she talks about Dick and Bob? They're never going to be able to get an answer to that unless they ask somebody. I mean, it's not in the description of the podcast. It's not in the title of the podcast. I couldn't have told you what podcast it was on if somebody else hadn't told me. Right. I mean, I had to ask. So it's, it's the fusion versus. Yeah. It's fusion versus alternate universe. Can divergence. Can divergence. Can divergence. But so. Yes, there, there is an epidemic of people asking questions that they could easily Google the answer to, but try to be too snarky about it because you know, whatever. Um, but if somebody can't possibly get an answer but to ask the question, and it, we have a lot of, I would say that f- online spaces, I have no scientific evidence for this. This is just my impression after a lot of years in fandom online spaces, that there's a higher percentage of introverts in online spaces than you would encounter in meat space. So 
that's why we have a lot of lurkers, which is cool. I lurked in fandom for a long time. I'm actually not shy. So, um, when somebody is shy or an introvert, or they tend to just lurking is their habit, their where there's their safe space, and they are um, speaking up to ask a question. Don't do anything that shames them for that. That's 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 a toxic behavior. And the thing is, we learn it from other people. And or we were hazed with that kind of behavior when we were coming into fandom. I felt like there were times in fandom spaces where I was totally hazed, right? Like the hazing was real. So just that is a, that is a toxic behavior that happens in fandom a lot. It's sort of like haze the new people. It needs to stop. There's just no need for it. Somebody mentions that online interactions are lower energy than than meat space so there's a lot of reasons why people might prefer but i do think that we have a m much larger percentage of people who are introverted or shy um and sometimes they can be very more outgoing in in online spaces than they might be in meat space which is cool it's great don't do anything to discourage that don't be that asshole just because and just, because somebody did it to you is not a good reason Today on Facebook, when I posted my thing, um, and there were some people who responded very aggressively, and I deleted their responses and unfriended several people as a result as well. Um, it wasn't about censorship, which I'm totally allowed to do on my own wall, by the way, because, you know, um, that's my shit. But I don't, it got abusive, and I don't tolerate people abusing other people around me. I'm not going to let you abuse somebody on my Facebook wall or in my comment section. I'm not going to let you bash other readers or other authors in my presence. I'm going to remove you from the situation so you can't continue your, your disgusting behavior. I'm not that person that stands by and lets somebody else get bullied. And setting a boundary and removing toxic people from your life is not being a bully. For the record. No. And it's not really censorship either. It doesn't apply. Private spaces. Some, and, and technically, your Facebook wall is, is a personal. It's not a private space. It's technically somewhat publicly accessible. Um but what you put in a in a in an online space in an online public space is is not the same thing as anything that people that happens there is not couldn't be argued as being censorship. That's like saying because you block someone on Facebook that they're you're censoring them. No, you're just saying I don't want to hear you. I don't. I'm tired of hearing you. And I don't want you in my face. It's like it's like shutting the door on somebody that comes to you. If if somebody comes to my door to sell me stuff. Or try to convert me to something that happens the most. Um, <laughs> it's 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 Girl Scouts and conversions, all you know, twenty four seven. You tell here. them you know exactly where Jesus is if you ever need him. <laughs> He's in the silverware drawer. <laughs> um, but it if I shut the door in the middle of that person's, that's not censorship. Same thing with you know deleting somebody's comment on uh, their shitty comment on your AO3 story or on your post on Facebook. It's not censorship. Now start sending you people links to the dictionary. It's your freedom of speech is not being violated when I don't want to put up with your dumb ass. <laughs> Someone said something in the chat room. Um, 
the thing is, is um, there's that whole safe, sane, and consensual BDSM thing. Um, except a lot of what happens in ties that bind is consensual, but not safe. Well, ties that bind is rate is rack. It's risk aware consensual kink. Yeah, it it's not. It's not. It's not SSC. Um, there are two BD. This is a total tangent. But there are two types of consent models in BDSM. There's safe, sane, and consensual, and then there's rack risk aware cons- consensual kink. I was more of a racker. I was more of a racker. So you know, so am I. Um, but the, the level of masochism that is explored in Ties That Bind is, is neither safe nor sane. <laughs> Just for the record. <laughs> little, little tangent. Little tangent. Information is, is, is a weapon. Um, well, as an individual citizen, I'm not capable of, of, of censoring somebody else. Because that's like a government thing. The government can't censor you. Um, but even freedom of speech doesn't equal freedom from consequences. Right. You can say whatever the hell you want. You might have to pay for it though, one way or another. There there can be there can be um consequences in private space. You could lose your job, you could lose your relationship. I mean and there actually are some things the government actually can go after you for if you say them because they, it might be what you're saying it might be criminal. Some forms of speech are criminal. So, you know. Like you can't shout fire in a heavily populated public place. You can't threaten the life of the president. You know, that that will get you put in jail. So, um, you know, so you have to. But people like to scream censorship over things where it doesn't even apply. I could delete, you know. Every co- I could never approve another comment on a fic ever again. It's not censorship. It's discernment. <laughs> <laughs> it's acknowledging that your input isn't required. And in fandom, that is a whole another kettle of fish. That is throwing down a gauntlet to fandom is saying your input is not required. It's like, what, what do you mean? That's my only role here is to give input. Like, I don't want to hear it, though. But to tell and, someone that you don't want their plot advice, that you don't care what they think, um, that you don't write for them, that you... Know. I mean, that's like pistols at dawn. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, well, I don't story. Like, well, I don't care. I don't, I don't care if you shit. don't like it. You're not on the list of people whose opinions I've decided to care about, so go away. I'll take applications for that list later. Um, but... There are there are lots of ways around readership and around and even in authors there can be toxic behaviors that can um, develop. Um, authors who get all in on that big name fan thing—that's a toxic behavior. We've seen that. We've seen. We've all seen people who were really super wrapped up in their status and fandom, and that's that's pretty toxic. Um, it's it ugly and, and mean. And also it leads them to... And I, I honestly do think that that whole thing with me and the Sentinel fandom um, came down to that kind of entitlement. They created a, a mindset and a character profile that they expected everybody else to follow. And anybody who didn't follow it got berated. 
even if most of the readers outside of their little clique weren't interested in what they were doing. They had declared themselves a big name fan, whether they were or not, I'll never know. And, um, I mean, can you be a BNF of a fandom that hasn't had any new content in like what since 1996? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> was that was was that rude? <laughs> 1999. <laughs> okay. You haven't produced fandom. You haven't you haven't produced uh, canon content in 20 years. Yeah. You, be, you go ahead and go be a BNF in that tiny pond. Um, <laughs> just, you know, but that she, Jilly's right. That, that kind of um, mindset where you get the idea that you're an authority um, in a group or in a fandom and that you decide what happens and everybody else has to go along with it. And if they don't, you have the right to abuse them and mistreat them um, until they do what you say. And what's weird about that is there was a time in fandom where it was kind of like that. Not that anybody really appreciated it, but because fandom was so siloed, sometimes you had exactly one place to go, one place, one Yahoo group or one live journal that had your thing on it, the thing you wanted to read. And, you know, inevitably there would be some bitchy doyen who's responsible for the whole thing and you have to play by her rules and da 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 da. But, if the rules are benign, that's fine. But the problem is they weren't. It was like, you're going to interpret the characters this way. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You know. This is the character profile. Blair has to cry at least once in the fic. And he can never talk. Jim doesn't give head. That's not very masculine. I mean. You have to respond to. to right. You have to respond to um, every comment that you get within 48 hours. Um, it's like, really? Really? I, it's, and the thing is, then the rules get... And the thing is, some of these... The reason Archive of Our Own exists, the way it exists, is because these siloed fandom spaces were so crazy. They got so wacky with the rules and the exclusions, and you can't post this, and you can't post that. And um, now, we've talked, we've talked um, before about... You know, I don't think personally the AO3 the board whoever it is they act like if they draw any lines it's going to be a, 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 a slippery slope to drawing all lines so like if they ban pedophilia that's pretty soon they're going to have to ban everything which is honestly when you think about it on the face of it that's ridiculous but they decided that their mission was going to be um, that my sister's just shaking her head like we're a bunch of idiots. Um, <laughs> She's not wrong though. <laughs> she walked. She walked. She walked in on the pedophilia comment, so she she was at the store. <laughs> um, it's not a slippery slope, right? You can say that it's not okay to have to, to fetishize sex with children. It's okay to say that, and there's no worry that suddenly, you know, um, Steve and Tony aren't going to be able to get it on anymore. It, there's no correlation between the, there should. There's no correlation with that worry, but there was a point where, you know, people were micromanaging on archives, you know, what kinks you were allowed to post, you know, like you couldn't post this kink, you couldn't post this relationship. So I get it. I get why they said there's going to be no boundaries about what people can post. I get why they went there. 
I'm, I still am stuck on, could we have one boundary? Just one, please. Just one. Just, I, just, I, just one. You can keep all your incest and your bestiality. Just can we please leave off the pedophilia? Fetishizing sex with children is horrifying. Um, anyway, there is some, a lot of the way fandom is now is in response to toxic behavior that has occurred in fandom. So a lot of the things that have happened. And the thing is, for people who weren't around for the kind of some of these implosions for those, they they don't they didn't learn, they don't learn those lessons, right? So they don't see, so they're not striving to avoid doing that over again. Avoiding those toxic behaviors because they never experienced them before. Or they never learned the lesson the first time. But when it comes to, um, to we're talking about toxic kinds of people. When it comes to toxic people, it is really important that you, as a reader, as a writer, as a as a fandom citizen, as a person online, is to know what you're willing to put up with and what you aren't. And to have a really clear line about what you consider to be acceptable behavior and what you think isn't acceptable behavior. And it is okay to set those boundaries. And other people don't really get to talk you out of your boundaries. It is one thing to have a conversation with somebody and get maybe get some more insight or a different viewpoint about something that's happened and maybe you'll change your mind about a single event or something. But people talking other people out of their boundaries or trying to gaslight them for having boundaries, which is what it comes down to, get, you know, is gaslighting when, when, for instance, an author decides to take down their work or whatever and people abuse them for it. Like they didn't have a right to, to do what they wanted with their own work. That kind of thing is, it's just not okay. And those are people you just need to not be around. You just need to not be around them. It's also important to acknowledge that what is um, that some people have a higher level of tolerance for behavior than others. And I fully acknowledge that I have a um, polarizing personality. Uh, people either love me or they hate me. Um, that's always been true ever since I was very young. Um, I make enemies like bitch you would not believe when I was like 12. <laughs> Because I don't keep things to myself. I, if um, you do something I think is fucked up, I'm going to tell you. I've always been this way. Um, some people can't stand that. So for some people, I'm the toxic one. I get it. You don't got to be around me. If me telling you not to be an asshole upsets you, then go be an asshole elsewhere if me telling you that i don't want you to give me plot advice upsets you and hurts your feelings then don't interact with me because i should not be required to take your advice i'm not your emotional support animal you're not no <laughs> shoot <laughs> I'm not anybody's emotional. Well, maybe my husband's. I could be my husband's emotional support animal. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> I think I think that might come with the job description of wife. Yeah, right. Um, I um we all I'm I'm a I'm gonna be straight with you guys. Everybody, me too. I'm not exempt from this. When an author I enjoy takes their works down, 
I'm like, what? <laughs> what happened here? It it's it is upsetting. It is I can't deny I have a reaction to it too. But what I don't do is regardless of what my reaction is, I don't go after that author and piss all over them because I'm upset. I don't go yell and scream at them. I don't go, you know, I might bitch about it privately, but I don't go into fandom spaces where that author could see it or where it could get back to them and bitch about them in public or semi-public venues. It's because um it's just that's just that's just not okay. I was reading a story that was finished. It was finished. It was a completed work. I was reading it on on fanfiction.net. Don't judge me. I mean, I don't read there much. This <laughs> I read there all the time. I well, if you re- I don't read much Harry. Well, I don't read much Harry Potter though, and that's the only thing I would go to fanfiction.net for. Pretty much is Harry Potter. Well, there are a couple of NCIS stories I like to read over there that I can't get anywhere yeah, else. True, but so I'm reading on fanfiction.net one day. I'm in the middle of the story. It was taken down while I was reading it. From one chapter to the next, they removed every single story they had on fanfiction.net. And I was like. I mean, I raged. I was, I, I had an entire rager moment. I was furious. I was right in the middle of the story. I, it was like somebody taking my book away. But the thing is, I didn't say anything to that author. Um, Because that's, if I did, they decided to do that. My reaction, however, I was entitled to how I felt about it. What I wasn't entitled to do is go abuse them for that. How I felt about it is how I felt about it. And I did, my social circle at the time, I did go and bitch. I'm like, I cannot believe that this fic was taken down. And I yelled at the person who wrecked it to me. I mean, I just was like, it wasn't their fault that it was taken down, but I still yelled at them for it. Um, So it is completely understandable when something you enjoy is is removed. I get it. I get it. But you're, you're, you're an adult, right? You're all adults. Everybody listening to this podcast should be an adult. And as an adult, emotional regulation is an important skill. In becoming an adult, and as an adult, you should be able to handle your emotions without venting on another person. And when an author chooses to not to take their work down, or even at least even if it's even if it's professional work, right? If they choose not to, like let's say their contract with their publisher expires, right? They get their rights back, and they choose not to release the book anymore because maybe in their mind it's not selling, or it's an older work, or whatever. It's a lot of reasons. dated, and it's really difficult to update. I mean, I have works that uh, that are really old that have my characters using dial-up internet. Yeah. So it, it's just, it's not... <laughs> it, I mean, it doesn't... So, so there's reasons why authors don't have, like, will not put a book back into print or even won't even put the e- ebook back up. And that's their choice. It, it, I'm saying this is their decision. Once their publisher gives them their rights back or their whatever the period of contract that book's under contract for expires, if that author doesn't choose to keep that book up, you can't make them. <laughs> you, you just can't. But your reaction, you're, like I said, you are entitled. No one is saying you don't have the right to have a reaction to that. But you should keep that reaction to you and your small social circle. It, blasting it out on the internet that so-and-so is a whore for taking their works away, that's just not okay. That is toxic people. Um, so today, I deleted the works in progress on EAD and on the Wild Hair Project for the Harmony Pairing. Within about 25 minutes of doing it, I got four or five emails, people demanding to know why I had taken down all of my Harry Potter work. It wasn't true. I had not done that. 
I have no intention of doing that. Um, but someone lost their shit and posted it somewhere that I had deleted everything. Um, inaccurate report. Uh, honestly, I see the excerpts on EAD as a um, as a glimpse into my creative process that I can remove at any time. Yeah, which is which is what you've said about EAD. There are no guarantees about the stuff that's there. And, but it, it, people immediately jumped to the conclusion that I was going to take all my toys home. Which, you know, probably, you know, is something that they've experienced in the past in the fandom. I, I get that. Um, but. And I could, and I get, I would get why people might have a reaction. Like, especially if you're in the middle of reading one um, and all of a sudden it's gone. You might like freak out. One person spreads some misinformation that it wasn't the EAD works were taken down. It's that Kira um, kicked all the Harmony people off of the EAD group. Um, I don't know how there. I didn't. I didn't even know this, dudes. I had no idea there were six thousand, like over six thousand members of the EAD community. I didn't know. I never go look at our membership. How the? I mean, uh, I wouldn't even know who they were. How would I guess? How the fuck would you find the Harmony Shippers amongst 6,000 people? And how would I have had time to do that? And most people, right? And most people don't use their Facebook name for their DreamWith name. So we're going to get you a guide. We're going to get you a guide, girl. We totally are. Um, anyway, so of course, of course that was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous accusation. It was a ridiculous assumption. I was like, what? Um... If you've read anything on EAD, you're a member. It's on DreamWith. We'll get you like we'll hook you up. But if if we don't sort it out, you hook me up. Hit me up later. Hook me up. <laughs> Hit me up later. We'll sort it out. Um, He's not asking you to arrange her a date. <laughs> totally, I, totally hook me up. You are a member, okay? So, but I mean, that's just I I get it. I totally understand. However you feeling, it's like there's this thing, something I've seen people say, and here's another toxic behavior. You have no right to feel that way. I'm like, and you have no right to tell people how they can feel. People feel what they feel. But I've said this before. I will say it again. I'm probably going to say this a thousand times in my life. Feelings are not facts. Take it in and absorb it. Just because you feel a way doesn't mean that it is based on anything real. We feel what we feel. But part of being a grown-up, separating the feelings from what actually happened. There are times you can have an inappropriate reaction to something. Like there are times something good can happen and you feel irrationally angry. Does it mean that you didn't have a right to feel angry? No. But it probably means there's something more going on with you at that moment than... Because if you're if you're angry about something and it seems irrational on the surface, it's like, why didn't this make you happy? I thought this would make you happy. You're like, I don't know why I'm so angry. I just am. It doesn't mean you didn't have a right to feel angry. And so anybody who invalidates somebody else's feelings like that, it's like, you don't have a right to feel that way. Sure they do. If you feel like what you you don't have the right to tell somebody else that you didn't upset them or hurt them. You don't have the right to tell somebody that they don't, that they shouldn't be angry with your behavior. Because they're entitled to those emotions. They aren't, in, however, entitled to abuse you because of those emotions. 
or bash you in a public forum. Right. Or spread misinformation about you because, because maybe they were hurt. Maybe they got their feelings hurt or maybe they felt, you know, as, as a community of readers, because we are all readers, right? You know, I don't know that anybody in our social space is not a reader. As it, it, It'd when be you weird were, if you weren't. Right? It would be <laughs> weird. When, when the thing you're really knee-deep in and you're really enjoying is one of your favorite things, is, take, is gone, I understand the feeling. We've all been there. Um, but what you don't have the right to do is become an emotional terrorist online. And people who just spew all over people and and rev other people up. I mean, that what is that? That's just that's toxic behavior. And just stop it. You just feel what you feel, bitch in private. But revving other people up and making the situation worse and dogpiling. Dogpiling is a fandom behavior and actually also an online behavior that I really don't like. No. Um, it makes me deeply uncomfortable. I would never ask, um, and I do have a, a fairly large fan base. I would never ask you guys to attack somebody um, personally. I did ask my fans to help me get my plagiarized work taken down from AO3, but that wasn't about that individual. It was about AO3 ignoring me <laughs> for six months. Yeah. Well, it takes them a long, long time to deal with abuse complaints. Um, but part of that is apparently because people abu uh, abuse the abuse system, right? They dislike somebody, so they'll report to put abuse complaints in. Mm -hmm. So AO3, you know, their volunteer staff spends a lot of time chasing their tails. Um, and it that noise causes the real problems to get lost in the shuffle. I, would, I mean, like... Like when people are having an issue, like with a shitty commenter or something, I think once I've gone in and like stepped in and said something on somebody else's story because, and, it, and it, in this was case because I've, you know, I told him ahead of time, I'm going to go do this because I know some people are shy and like they may not be able to handle that kind of confrontation well. And if I know somebody and they're having a struggling with that kind of confrontation, I might jump in and do it for them. I'm more than willing to jump in and do your confrontations for you if you need that. But I'm not going to assume people need me to, to, to handle their business for them. Which is why if you're having a problem with a commenter on AO3, my suggestion would always be to delete it and move on with your life. And just ignore them. Because engagement is not... I'm, I am a Bob. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm I'm a dick when I need to be too. Um, <laughs> but engagement um, engagement gives them what they want. Ignoring them, it's probably going to infuriate them. But you know, you know, I often delete comments that I don't want to respond to. I mean, I just do because I don't have time for that shit. But every once in a while, I'll respond, and it's not about giving them attention. It's, there are just so many times you can turn the other cheek b before you come up swinging. Well, and true. I, sometimes I just, I, I, 
I've taken all I can take from a person. Maybe this is the fifth or the sixth or the 200th comment I've deleted from them because they don't know how to be a, a decent person. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. Fuck you. you you're going to, you're going to, you're going to get it with both barrels so that you will know that I actually have listened and watched you and seen every single fucking comment you put on my site. And I think you're a cock sucker, the bad kind. So gags and uses their teeth and and spits it out. <laughs> Just <sighs> you give terrible head. Well, I mean, if you want to engage with your own commenters, right? As long as you're up to the task, right? Because some people get very upset by arguing when they get into a, a battle with a commenter. As long as it's not going to be, you know. <laughs> deleterious to your your mental health go for it but what what becomes an issue is when it becomes 50 people or 20 people or whatever you know i see people call in the troops on a shitty commenter which, which starts which then makes your behavior worse it is dogpiling um which now makes you worse than the commenter i'm just saying um you know if, if i go pick a fight with somebody i don't need help no Unless it's actually a physical fight, then yeah, I need help. <laughs> I'm five foot four. <laughs> I'm gonna need some help. <laughs> Cause I'm that short friend that will start a fight in the bar. <laughs> so somebody said uh, somebody mentioned I'm gonna just kind of summarize. They mentioned in the comment that you know that the only time they get came close to going off on an author was basically the author took all their works down. Um, left up summaries of the works that they took down for posterity. Although I don't get why leave up summaries of a work you took down, but that's just that's rude a, to me. That's a that's 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 it, that's like it's like clickbait, <laughs> fandom clickbait. But but then but what they wrote was basically um, the, a long note criticizing fandom as being basically unhealthy and an unhealthy coping mechanism, and basically you should you know move on and get past fandom. Um, I don't I. I'd have been tempted to say something to them too. And, but the thing is, it wouldn't have about, been about them as an author. It'd have been about them as a judgmental, shitty human being. You know? So. It is a shitty thing to say. Because a lot of people um, use fandom to to help them manage uh, some very serious issues. And it, and it gets them through their day. You know, I had people reach out to me and say that they, you know, they, they read my works during cancer treatment and it, it helped them um, get their mind off, you know, the pain and the discomfort. Um, and that's, you know, it's not great what you went through, but it's great that I was that I was a bright spot for you. I appreciate knowing that. And um, I've had, there are authors who've been that for me, you know, where that really difficult times in my life that I have just got it crawled into my blanket fort and um, just gone all in on sometimes one author's work and just read everything they had. That's how I found Lady Raw. It was like a, um, I, I found her site and I just was like, this is before, long before she was on AO3. And I was just, it was a very difficult time for me. And her works were part of how I coped in the same way it would have been if I had been reading whatever author I read back in the day, right? If it had been Nora Roberts or if it had been, um, there was, there was a time when, you know, I got through some dark spots reading Lois McMaster Bujold and fan fiction writers aren't really any different. You know, 
reading is a form of escapism for a lot of people. So I get the deep emotional attachment people can have to a story or to a, a book or whatever. I completely get it. But we there are, there are just lines that are just not okay to cross. And if you cross those lines and I shut you down, you don't get to gaslight me like I'm a bully for telling you no. Or that I'm a bully because I walked away. That's really that's really bullshit gaslighting, right? If somebody walks away from a toxic situation and they're accused of bullying for walking away. The thing is, is I, I left one of the groups and um, there's no need to discuss the names. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give myself a, a six months to a year and then I'll just, I'll rejoin. Except after getting screenshot after screenshot after screenshot after screenshot for a half hour of a thread that was dedicated to bashing me, um, I will never rejoin that group. Bashing me for setting a boundary. And these same people that were treating me like a queen a month ago when I was feeding their need by writing a story um, were suddenly treating me like I was the Antichrist or something. I just, it's just like, okay, so I'm never going back there. Because why, why would you open yourself up again to that kind of toxic, disgusting behavior? Well, when I compare it to what happened to me in the Sentinel, what I would say is that at least the people that abused me in the Sentinel did it in private. Is that somehow better? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I, I mean, don't actually, know. Is that better? Actually, <laughs> or is that worse? I mean, I think I think it's better, and the reason is because when it happens in public, it shows a lack of boundaries in the group. It, with the and the thing is, there are, there are some people who walked away from the group over the those shitty threads, you know. Um, and but most people just dogpiled on or just sat back, and the people who in, in, interacted, a lot of them just. Okay, to be fair, it was probably 50, probably 50-50, right? But definitely the negative voices just stand out loudly. Um, if people who, um, so people just were like, you know, supported Kira's decision to take her works off if she, her works in progress down if she wanted to. And then there was just a lot of like spite people wanted to vent. And when that was okay, and when the admins and the moderators were participating in it, it shows a level of unhealthy, uh, unhealthy boundaries in the group. And I'm not surprised that there were unhealthy boundaries in the group. And here's why. It, it has nothing to do with any particular thing that's happened. Now, we're happened. not saying the name of the group because the name of the group isn't important. I it's know not. some of you are very, very curious about it, but it isn't the point. The point is, is this large group, 2,000 plus people, um, it's 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 about the dynamic, not about the the actual group. Because right. I don't, I'm not interested in you guys going over there and dogpiling that group because that's not the point. Right. So, but the thing is, is one of the things that is the reason one of the reasons why I'm not particularly surprised is because it is a very siloed group. When we talked about silos at the beginning. It, it is a very sp specific silo. So it's a silo around one ship. Okay. And when you get that specific, and the thing is, one of the things I noticed, um, and there are a lot of, uh, it certainly doesn't apply to everybody. Okay. It doesn't apply to everybody, but some in this more so than in other fandoms, 
groups I've encountered, there are people, a very large percentage of people in that group who only read that fandom and that ship. They don't read anything else in fandom. And Kira did a post. I don't remember where it was. Was it on Facebook or Dreamwith or what? About polyfandomous something. Um, it was on Dreamwith. Okay. If somebody could find the link, I'll put it in the link library. Um, the polyfandomous, when, you, when you're like just in one lane, and your social interaction, that is how we got all those toxic behaviors and fandom. If people got in one lane, got in one silo, and they never interacted with fandom outside of that one. So it's like this tiny little myopic view they had um, was their entire perspective on fandom. And it also encourages that kind of like siloing encourages like mob behavior. But and so it's not surprising to me, really, that that when their one thing that they, when a lot of them, when the one thing they've got in fandom, one thing was challenged, that the worst behavior comes out. And so you've got to be careful about that with, with people um, who exhibit that kind of behavior, is, is if they are quick to jump into the group mentality, that this might be a toxic person, I'm just saying. Everybody needs to think for themselves. And certainly a lot of people were. I'm not saying everybody was certainly engaging in toxic behavior. But super isolated segments of fandom, in my experience, tend to be the most toxic. And that goes all the way back for me. goes back more than 20 years in fandom. Is the more isolated and narrow the silo is. Um, and now that we have all these big online stuff, you would think you wouldn't have these isolated narrow things. but there's this inclination when we really love something to want to gather with people who also really love it and talk about it. The thing is, if that's all that you do and that's your sole view and your only ship and your only fandom, you're going to get a very distorted view of the rest of the rest of the fandom community. And you're going to think that they should behave the way your group behaves. It's just, that's not the way the world works. One of the reasons why we have fandom channels on Crossroads is the people who want to really talk about um, stuff related to that fandom can talk about it, have a specific space to talk about stuff related to that fandom. Um, but when you, you know, we weren't interested in spinning off separate servers that we run, like for Harry Potter. I mean, we could, it just, it's an administrative nightmare for starters, but also it it starts to encourage that siloing, and it's just no. Mostly those, it's about the Teen Wolf and the Hannibal channel trying to compete for which channel's the prettiest. I'm just saying, Hannibal usually is and not to be a grown ass woman about it, but Hannibal's winning. <laughs> I'm going to say not to be a lesbian about it, but they had Gillian Anderson in there. So, <laughs> so she's, yeah, Hannibal's definitely winning. <laughs> not that there aren't times when I'm like, I'm reading a Teen Wolf thick and I'll go over to their, our Teen Wolf channel and just look, like, look at all the pretty, but because Tyler Hecklin is, I mean, I, I try not to objectify people, but man, he's beautiful. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, what I would also say is that, um, 
the particular pairing, um, the, the the harmony pairing is small. Um, if you go over to um, AO3 and look at it, it currently has a little over 3,000 published works on AO3. They have their own archives and stuff. Still quite small, comparatively speaking. Um, when you look at the dreary pairing, Draco Malfoy and Harry Potter, 39,000 fics. So, I guess it could be said that when you have a fairly prolific writer bow out of your pairing and you have a small pairing to begin with, that it might be infuriating. But even if it is, it doesn't give you the right to abuse the author in question. Especially if all they did was walk out the door. I mean, if they left a bunch of shitty comments and told you all you were a bunch of trash or whatever. <laughs> I'm a fucking mean, lady, y'all. <laughs> respond in kind. But if all they did was say, no, y'all, this is my boundary and walk out the door. The abuse is, is a form of gaslighting. And it's just, that's just. But it's because we have all these toxic behaviors that are, they're like deep in the core of where fandom even came from that it's hard to shake um that it, it that's why these things happen and but it's not actually you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna correct myself it's not just in fandom because one of the things i saw something recently where someone was talking about and it's tangential to what happened basically was that once your stuff is up online you have no rights to it right so and I've seen this argument before. I've seen this argument a billion times is that once you put something online, it never goes away. This is true. Once you put it online, you actually can't control what eventually happens to that. It's a hard thing for some people to accept. And if you can't accept that, you probably should never post. It doesn't mean you can't like go to pirate sites and say, hey, take my stuff down. It doesn't mean you can't express your disapproval. But the bottom line is once you put it up online, there's just literally no taking it back. Um, and I have... I've gone to the Wayback Machine to read a fic that was deleted. I've done it. So I can't say that I don't get it. Uh, would I would I archive it once I found it and then distribute it to other people? Hell no. You can Google too. I certainly wouldn't put it up on a public space for people to download. Because the author took it down for a reason. Right? And if they can't give their consent to that going up in that space, it shouldn't be there. That's just how I feel about it. But I've seen this argument before that once it's up there, you can't control people are going to do with it. And that's true. But where that takes them then is that then because you can't control ultimately what happens to the things you put online, that you have no right to try. That is complete bullshit. Just because you can't ultimately take it back once you put something up on the internet, just because that is true, it is not. So therefore, you shouldn't try. Therefore, you have no control over your stuff. And that's basically um, the argument that they were making was that once your stuff is up, you have no rights to it anymore. Including, apparently, intellectual property rights. Right. And so this person who's arguing that if it's up there, once it's up there, you shouldn't put it up there if you want people saving your work, which, you know, arguably true. I mean, I don't, I can't control, I've said, I said somewhere on my site that I don't care if people, you know, 
create an ebook for their personal use, but please do not distribute or post it to anywhere else. Because I don't have, on my site, I don't have copy protection. And so I recognize that people are co probably copying the content and creating their own ebooks in some cases. So people have flat out asked me if they could make ebooks of stuff on my site. And my answer is always the same. If it's for your personal use, I don't care. Read how it's convenient for you to do. But do not put it on a site. Do not archive it somewhere. Don't share it with people publicly. No, that's that I'm not okay with. So that's what I have said. That's what I have done. But to argue then, so this person who's arguing that you don't have the rights to your work then basically says that they don't respect intellectual property rights at all. That they routinely take steal paid content from the internet. They routinely download music from pirates, pirate sites, and that they routinely take um, pirated copies of books. Why would we give, and the thing is a bunch of people were like so happy with this person's opinion that, that fanfic writers have no rights to their work. Um, and then in the same thing, talked about how they'd have no respectful intellectual property rights at all. And also, in this bizarre discussion, people were saying that because you put a disclaimer that you don't own the, the characters, the recognizable characters and, and recognizable circumstances means you have no rights to your work at all. That the, the fact that you put that disclaimer up there acknowledging like JK Rowling's ownership of her characters, that because you put that there, you then are giving up your rights to control your own story and where it goes. All lies, all false all feeding this sense of false entitlement that 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 readers are entitled to your work that is toxic and anybody who agrees with that bullshit is toxic that is somebody you don't need around you because just because i can't it's while it's true that you can't control what people are going to do with your stuff that is a fact if you put it up, you can't control. You lose control, right? You can't you can't make people behave. This is just truth. Does it mean they're morally in the right when they don't behave? No. And they've made these things as if, you know, because one one is true, the other must be true as well. And that kind of false equivalency is just we're all entitled to chocolate. But anyway, so but for the record and you can Google this. Fan fiction authors do have intellectual property rights over their transformative works. Just can't profit from it. That's why authors don't read fanfic about their own work. Because they don't want to pick up somebody else's stuff and get a hit for it. That's why if you're... Um, you should not read your if, if you if you go out there and you publish and you get a fandom, which would be an honor, I would be honored. Um, a lot of authors would not. Um, you don't need to read the fanfic that comes out of that. You might because, want to avoid it. Because what happens if you have an idea similar to a fanfic idea and it merges in your brain and you end up writing it, and then that author comes at you and sues you for stealing their work. Because you lifted stuff from their transformative material. Right, <laughs> Ellie. <laughs> Just don't steal the title. Or use the word cocky. Um, 
sarcasm. So, it, you know, you, you, um, the thing, when people post stuff like this in whatever group it is, there's a lot of toxic groups out there, especially on Facebook. Um, it's like they think because they're behind a, you know, a, a join the membership, membership, join the group thing. It doesn't mean it's actually private. They call it, it's a private group. No, it's not. That's why and, one and, of the rules that we have in Minion Headquarters is, is we acknowledge that this is actually not a private space and that you need to behave. Because if you say something shitty about somebody, somebody's going to take a screenshot of it and send it to them in their email. I've got 25 emails and counting in my inbox to prove it. Yeah. There are some truly private groups, right? I, I think Facebook has kind of made the whole thing a little bit more difficult to have a truly private group. I don't know. Anyway, they did some stuff that changed the whole secret private groups thing. So anyway, there are some groups, but they're carefully controlled, right? Like it might be like just like six people who are the members of a family, right? Like one of my family members has a group for family only. That is a mm -hmm. truly private group, but still it's online. One of them could screenshot something you say and share it with somebody you don't want it to be shared with. So that's, there's an element of trust there. But once you get a fandom space, just because you're behind a join wall, right? Like you have to request membership. It's not private. It is not private, especially once you're over like, I don't know, five members. But once you're up into the thousands of members, you can no longer claim to be a private space. Um, Crossroads is our private social server, but it technically isn't private. Anybody who's got the link can come in unless and, you've been banned. Yeah, and, and the link is like fucking everywhere because I use it for the podcast. So it's all over Twitter. Um, right. It is all over. And it, so, there's no moderation wall. Anybody can come in here, screenshot what you said, which is why we have a moderation team and we pay attention to you and we tell you not to be assholes. Um, so there's no such thing as private fandom spaces. Um, there's one group I was in and talked about, you know, this group, I want to say it was like 6,000 members. Wow. I'm, I'm I do not, not aspire to that. Oh, I mean, I lie. I lie. Four, it's like almost 15,000 members now. Okay. You guys are welcome, obviously, but I don't want 15,000 people on press roads. <laughs> So when no, I, I would never be able to get I'd never be able to get caught up on the Hannibal channel if we had fifteen thousand people here, uh, and, and getting caught up on the Hannibal channel is one of the joys of my evening. So you know, don't ruin that for me. Um, anyway, um, when you've got at the time at the time I was in this group, it was about sixteen six thousand people or so, and there was this rule about they had this rule about you if you if you were caught screenshotting things caught taking screenshots from the group that you could you would they'd kick you out and ban you how they gonna catch I, you though uh, right that's like the, how for starters it's a completely un, 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 unenforceable rule the only way is that i mean it, it it would totally rely on trusting the person who 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 reported them right because how do you prove who took the screenshot I mean, unless the person is like just enough of a dingling to have that kind of metadata um, in their in their image, the the screenshot. But I, I just I'm just even that could be faked. It's just kind of flabbergasted because the, the bottom line is yes, in general, 
we say like in minion headquarters, what stays in, what happens in minion headquarters stays here. And it's because, and the reason for that actually is because um, there are people who say, who have like difficult family members and they can't say some stuff on their, in their own Facebook space. And so they say the things that they don't want to talk about with their family in minion headquarters. It's not because there's anything inappropriate about what they want to say. It's just because they don't want to have that conversation with people who are going to shit on them for it. So they have it with us and we're a very supportive group. For all that we are, you know, part, what, 95% caffeine and 5% spite, we all pretty much aspire <laughs> to that some days. We're still a very nurturing group. It's just, you know, sometimes we're a little prickly about it. We're nurturing as fuck. We are. But people are very, I would say Minion Headquarters is a, is a very safe, nurturing fan space, social space. It is a lot centered around fandom. But it people come and they talk about all kinds of things. They talk about, they mentioned sometimes they talk about how things are with their writing. Sometimes they talk about stuff going on with their family. They talk about stuff going on with their work and they get a lot of support. And sometimes it's just, you know, a lot of funny stuff too. So the reason why we say what happens here stays here is because people are looking at it as a safe space. It is not because we actually think we're going to have any ability to control people taking screenshots of stuff. But if somebody did screenshot something that somebody said, you know, to the group that was supposed to stay in the group and like shared it with somebody's family member, we would totally ban them for that. All okay. up in the ban hammer. We'd drop it like Thor. But Jen, but we're a much smaller space. We're not thousands of people. So, and also it's because this kind of stuff, it's not because if someone were being a dick, they would get kicked out of Minion Headquarters. So this would be, you know, what would get somebody banned is just, it's not over taking screenshots, right? Because if you take something somebody's expressing because they're in pain or something, and you screenshot it and share it with people, it isn't the screenshot that's the problem. It's your assholery that's the problem. And whoa, is it a problem? Um, so it's just... It, that kind of thing, those kinds of rules, the idea that you can control people taking screenshots and sharing something that was said in a group that's six or seven or 10 or 12,000 members strong, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. Um, so they have this notion that these giant groups on Facebook are somehow private. They're not private. That's not private. Now, some people, you can tell them, hey, you're being a dick. And they'll correct themselves. They might not recognize the boundary um, that's being set, you know, the boundary of behavior. Um, they might not recognize social cues. They figure that shit out. We move on. And sometimes they're just a bag of dicks. <laughs> and sometimes and you find out. the only way to move on is to remove them from our space. Right. And sometimes it's in the confrontation or in the discussion is when you find out that somebody is a bag of dicks. Um I said, it's good. I can see people can get very comfortable in one community. I totally get it. Um, we've had a few people say that they de-lurk here, which when they don't in other spaces because they feel comfortable doing so. I think that's great. We want to feel like this is a safe fandom space for people. Um, said. Uh, but the thing is, these people who finally who feel safe to de-lurk here, they have been in other fandom spaces. Obviously, otherwise, they wouldn't have said, like, I'm finally de-lurking, right? Most of us have been in other fandom spaces. I think where 
people can get into weird behaviors is as as we mentioned earlier is where they come into fandom through one lane and they stay in that lane and they never get out of it they never go anywhere else um and it's not just on the facebook groups you see this kind of weird behavior there was also some of this on tumblr if y'all never saw some weird fandom behavior on tumblr you just either you were on Tumblr, either you avoided Tumblr on principle, in which case I don't blame you, or you just weren't paying attention because honestly, whoa, whoa, dude, that was some weird ass shit sometimes. I couldn't figure out Tumblr. I'm an old lady. <laughs> just Tumblr didn't make sense to me. I couldn't respond to shit. I, I didn't know. I don't know how those reply threads happened. I, I couldn't figure out reply threads. I couldn't see other people's comments. I mean, and someone tried to explain it to me. My niece, it, it didn't help. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is what, even once I understood it, I was like, but this isn't very eff- effective. It's not very community. Or- it's, it, Tumblr is very self-centric. It's like a bigger version of Twitter, but it's less fr- user-friendly. At least on Twitter, I can find a thread and follow you know, replies. Not so much with Tumblr. But I think anytime you get a group of people into a space um, where they create um, big connections and there's a lot of them, you have the potential for um, both good and bad things. And sometimes these um, there's transitory. Um, oh, like like velociraptors. And they just come together in little groups and they tear something apart and then they separate like it never happened. Leaving like ugliness and death and just you know devastation in their wake, and you know it's just it's like transitory cruelty. Also, since she said Velociraptor, I cannot think about Velociraptor anymore without thinking of that damn Velocipaster movie. <laughs> <laughs> You've been ruined, dude, dude. And the funny thing is, it would not be funny if it wasn't a real movie. I kind of want to watch it. I do too. Is it ridiculous? I'm going to share the what? I'm going to share. I would not leave y'all in the dark on this. I wouldn't. The Velocipastor. After losing his parents, a priest travels to China. Of course he does. Where he inherits a mystery. Wait, is this a white guy going to China? I bet it is. Um, Travels to China where he inherits a mysterious ability that allows him to turn into a dinosaur. At first horrified by this new power, a prostitute <laughs> convinces him to use it to fight crime and ninjas. Like, to fight crime, period. And ninjas. Period. And it's ninjas. It's important. And ninjas. So I want to know how ninjas got to China, because aren't ninjas from Japan? Well, you get them where... You, you fight them where you can find them. Um... <laughs> But here's the thing is, <laughs> every time somebody says Velociraptor anymore, I go, Velocipastor! <laughs> With the prostitute. It has four stars, yeah. I mean, I feel like I need to watch it for, I mean, is it like... And the person who created the meme... The Please person it created, on Netflix. Yeah, right. The person who created the meme says, the perfect movie doesn't exist. And then they kind of trail off because there's Velocipastor, the perfect movie. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's not, but okay. I mean, pot is legal here. I'm pretty sure I need to go get a joint and watch this movie. 
Oh, oh, I, I'm just going to mention this just in case the person who emailed me about this is listening. Somebody got a little bet with me because I, I joke about pot on the on the podcast sometimes. Like I'm being a bad influence or something. A, it's legal where I live. <laughs> B, it would only be being a bad influence if our if our target audience was under 18. So shut up. C, <laughs> she's an adult. <laughs> She's old enough to eat a fun brownie if she wants to. Mind your own business. (laughs) I mean, if you want to take me to task for the jokes about smoking pot, that's fine. Because I wouldn't actually smoke pot because I want to breathe. But, you know, it's free on Vudu. (gasps) I have Vudu. I need to go watch it. (sighs) Y'all. We're going to be watching (laughs) Velocipaster. I think I think they're just butt hurt that it's not legal where they are. Um, <laughs> That's too bad, Rogue. There's oh, there's definitely a Velociraptor porn book. There's a of whole there ser- is. there's a whole series about dino sex, dino porn. Just just go look up Taken by the T Rex. You'll find you'll find the rest of them. Although, if you do that, don't blame me when Amazon starts suggesting some questionable shit. <laughs> Okay, apparently Velocifaster is on Amazon Prime, too, so there's lots of options. It is not a feature. Some of the stuff that Amazon suggests. I mean, Lady Holder linked one day. She linked the um, the 50-gallon drum of lube on a... On the, I clicked on it. I mean, it was fine. We were joking about 50-gallon drums of lube needed for the Atlantis expedition. There was, there was a reason that we were talking about 50-gallon drums of lube. And um, subsequent to that, <laughs> clicking on that, Amazon suggestions for me sometimes as a result of that are a little bit strange. I don't even want to get into the lube launcher <laughs> because <sighs> <laughs> I don't understand the lube launcher. I mean, well, it's like I, I guess it's like get it up where you want it with the minimal effort. We're going to use something that looks like a big syringe. <laughs> Whatever. It's like, hey, they, they think. I guess they think if you want that much lube, you must want a lube launcher. <sighs> Y'all get me in trouble sometimes, you know. And I share my Amazon account now with my sister. So, I mean, some of the things you guys have made me click on for Amazon, I, my rec list, because y'all, I share my Amazon account on my mama, and sometimes she'll call me and say, hey, um. There's something in the cart, and I don't understand how it got there. And it's because I'll have I had been looking at it and on my tablet or something, and it'll accidentally get put in the cart. Mom, <laughs> oh, that was a mistake. Why were you looking at it? I, Mama, I don't want to talk about it <laughs> because what, what can I say to Lube Launcher? And what sometimes that sometimes they're multifunction. This is one Amazon suggested to me. I was like, "Come on, Amazon!" That looks like a like a anal sex toy. It yeah, it sure does. And I got I, I they never suggested stuff like that for me before I clicked on that drum, that that fifty gallon drum of lube. Although I guess if you, they figure if you're going through that much lube, you must need a way to apply it quick, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Okay. Anyway, so so um, you had, you had where where did it go? Where did it go? Where where did what go? I don't know. I was looking at something. So one of the things that Kira talked about when she did her little thing about the polyphandomous, um, I think I think it was about the polyphandomous writer. But you know, I mean, you don't have to be a polyphandomous reader, but it will probably help you. Um, but one of the things she mentioned in that was that, you know, if you have a bad experience in that one fandom you've got, you have nowhere to retreat in order to regroup as a reader or a writer. Um, and so then you have to leave entirely, right? Which what we see happen to people. Um, and that's where I was today. I mean, I was just like, if, if I didn't have other fandoms to fall back on to retreat to as a writer. Um, she wouldn't be writing fan fiction. But honestly, if I only had Harry Potter, I would have already been gone because this is my second break from Harry Potter. Um, I've, I've, I have decided that even if I start writing, um, it again, I won't be joining any groups. No fandom specific groups. Not gonna do it. I am happy to be in McShep land in April. I am because McShep is my happy place. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on Atlantis. There's gonna be sentinels and guides and hot sex and 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 no wands. I'm I'm pretty happy about it. And then we're gonna do Hannibal in this in the summer, and then I'm gonna do Kirk and Spock, and then I'm gonna go back and do some more McKay Shepherd in um November. And so that feels like a really good plan. Just gonna bookend. Bookend the year with McShep. Um, so if you do have a bad experience with a with a fandom or with a pairing, you've got other places to go. If I got a really bad experience with NCIS, I've got Teen Wolf, Stargate. And let's, and let's face it, you you kinda did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you just rescued your unicorn and moved on. Yeah. <laughs> You can't stay. You can't stay. But thirty. I don't know why I wrote that. I don't know why you did either. Um, like the goal for April is thirty k. That's one k a day. That is very doable, you guys. Very doable. But if if that does if thirty k feels intimidating because maybe you're a short form writer, um, ten ten k is July. So come for July. Canon is the toxic um, element in NCIS. I totally agree. Um, although there was a there was like a specific NCIS fan of specific space that I did have to bow out of because I was I was somebody's bitch eating crackers. I don't know what I did, but I was just I was definitely her bitch eating crackers, and um, it just there was no recovering from that. So I was like just. I've, and I've got enough. I got enough to do that. I don't need to be trying to make that kind of thing work. Um, Sometimes so. you just rub people the wrong way. I'm not not saying you specifically. I think you're you're just sunshine and charm. Um, but <laughs> sometimes you do just rub people the wrong way. There are people, and it's okay. There are people who probably can't stand me. You know what? I that's fine. If you just legit can't stand me, okay. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, there are people who hate me. I don't care. 
But I also am not going to stay in a fandom space where someone is kind of treating me like shit. Um, Passive-aggressively. In a way that doesn't quite break the rules, you know? It's not quite against the rules, but it's, it's not exactly kosher either. So, you know, I'm not going to stay. Because i got other things to do. Like, uh, probably anything to do. I'd rather do anything than sit here and be treated like this. Um, and that's okay. Drawing, there's nothing wrong with drawing a boundary. There's nothing way of rocking. Because for me, that person who just... Like I said, for whatever reason, I was her bitch eating crackers. And for those of you who don't know what bitch eating crackers is about, where did who started that? There's this comedian that says that talks about how just sometimes like once you once you hate somebody, everything they do is terrible. And it's like they could be sitting there eating um, eating crackers, and you just think to yourself, look at that bitch eating those crackers like she owns the place. <laughs> because everything they do is offensive as fuck once you hate them. And I am I was I was this person's bitch eating crackers apparently. And that's cool. That's fine. But I but you know what? I also just because they couldn't hate they they hated me for some reason, I didn't need to stick around and deal with it. Um and their behavior wasn't so overt that any of the moderators were going to call them out on it. But I also didn't need to put up with it. So I moved on. I just moved on. Because I got other shit to do. I got people I like more. And that's okay. It's it honestly it is. It's okay. I don't have to get along with everybody. And it's it's okay to recognize that this situation is making you uncomfortable and moving on from it. It is okay to stop talking to somebody if they make you unhappy. It's okay to stop interacting with somebody if they stress you out. I think a lot of times women especially are encouraged to not cause a scene and to be polite and to endure the bad behavior of others, most often especially men, out of just sheer politeness, act like a lady, right. be a lady. It would be rude to say anything about that behavior. It would be rude to Don't call attention. Right. It'd be rude to call attention to his poor behavior. Um, no, what's rude is his poor behavior. Or, you know, or her. Uh, honestly, in fandom spaces, because I a lot of, I think that women um, outnumber men in most of the fandom spaces I've been in. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. There are certainly some pairings that maybe have a bigger draw for men, but not not any of the pairings that I've been really deeply invested in. Um, but in any case, um, and certainly um, men can have that whole male entitlement thing going on. It doesn't necessarily mean that they will. Uh, but so that means that the vast majority of entitlement coming out of fandom spaces is coming from women. So, yeah. It we are encouraged to to not cause a scene, to move on, to ignore bad behavior. Um, and there comes a point when you know it's just like ignoring that bad bad behavior is like You're like sitting there going, I can't ignore one more shitty thing. Ignoring and I get an it. open wound. Yeah. How much I mean how much you know, I'm not gonna set myself on fire to keep you bitches warm. And I don't mean you bitches, because uh, I would build a fire for you. I wouldn't set myself on fire. But I would build you a fire 
my bitches. But these other bitches, no. No. Gondor can keep calling for aid, okay? <laughs> I got my own shit to deal with. Yeah, and we've had those moments with somebody getting hassled online or something like that, and we'll be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She may be difficult. She may be a pain in the ass, but she's our pain in the pain ass. In the ass. <laughs> you you don't, can't talk to her that way. <laughs> That's my pain in the ass there. Bring her back. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you can't treat our pain in, the, pain in the ass with respect, then you don't get to play with our pain in the ass. <laughs> There's a line in Small Magic where where Harry is talking to Thorin about protecting the Shire. And Thorin tells him that um, I'm, I'm surprised that you care because Bilbo told me that they were really, um, that, that they were cruel to you often as a child. And Harry says they might be judgmental, spiteful little bastards, but they're his judgmental, spiteful little bastards. And if anybody's going to ruin their day, it'll be him. <laughs> Not anybody else. I have I have pride of place on on day ruining so fuck you. And there's a there's a thing yeah and stomp their flowers. There's a there there's a moment in my brain right here where I'm thinking about what I'm going to do with small magic because it's the bigger almost finished project that I have that's harmony, and I I recognize that it was it's the easiest fic I've got to turn into a Harry Draco story. <laughs> I mean it's going to require some rewrites but not an extensive amount. I'm just saying. I'm not saying I will. I'm saying I could. And I might. I mean, you could. Okay, so I mean, sometimes, I mean, and sometimes this is the way it go, right? I, I wouldn't, uh, I, have, I don't have any reason to, like, change the pairing in emergence, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I kind of was, this word became pretty quickly disenchanted with the pairing pretty quickly after writing it. But if, if the, if the Tib shippers had come after me about like moving on to the mothership, it'd be really easy to change that story to be a different pairing. I I agree. I mean, not it would be a lot of work. Yeah, but it wouldn't be. I mean, it's definitely in your wheelhouse. Yeah, I think you could do it very well. I just don't have any reason to do that. Um, no. I mean, I did write a hundred k of. Um, Female McKay spite fic already, so um, spite fic is definitely in your wheelhouse. Yeah, it's definitely in my wheelhouse, and it's honestly the easiest one. That one and unspeakable plot, um, both are very would be very easy to lean that way. Oh, the butt hurt would be epic because <laughs> it's been gone from the air for six years. It comes back dreary instead of harmony. <laughs> I already regret nothing. I just want you to know that. <laughs> Thing is, when it comes to when it comes to your fandom spaces, whatever your fandom space might be, you need to take care of you first, right? But just also consider what kind of what toxic behaviors look like. Um, so that you can at least be on the lookout for them in your fandom spaces. Because it can be very easy to just, if somebody that you like is being, um, you feel like being abused or whatever, or or whatever, it can be really easy to just kind of dogpile onto somebody. Um, and that's just, that's not good for anybody really. It's not good for you. It's not good for them. It's not good for the person that you're trying to defend. You see that in 
internet space a ton. Like somebody's got a ton of followers about something like on Twitter or whatever. And people will just go and like they, let's say they're enemy of the day and they will go and just dogpile on that person and just say horrible abusive things to them. And to be fair, fandom spaces are much less caustic and nasty than what I see like people doing on Twitter um, with like the death threats and stuff. Um, but just kind of like, I don't know, maybe sanity check yourself a little bit, not just about your own behavior, but do you want to tolerate this kind of behavior in the people around you or in your fandom space? Maybe find another fandom space. You don't need to, to feel yucky about what, what you're, what's going on. And if you start to dread going somewhere online, if you start to go, oh God, I do not want to open up Facebook today. I do not want to see my notifications. I don't want to look at my email. Oh my God. You need to figure out what's in your email that's driving you nuts um, and what's making you uncomfortable and, and, and Marie Kondo that shit. Yeah. If it, if it ain't spark and joy, just move on. Um, because one of the things I think that was interesting um, is sometimes people have like something that like they're vitriolic about something and they're kind of keeping it to themselves because it's not um, they might people might criticize them if they said something nasty about somebody or whatever. And so then when they get the opportunity or when they perceive it's suddenly okay, they'll just let loose with a heap of abuse about somebody. And it's like, where is that coming from? What is going on that you felt like, I mean, have you got some, have you got some issues like bottled up? Do you need to see somebody? I mean, seriously. Earlier today, I opened up an email and it said, um, you're a talented writer, but you're an awful person. Wow. Yeah. And that was shortly after I deleted Phoenix off the Wild Hair Project. Oh, no, it's not actually deleted. For the record, none of that's actually deleted. What The Wild Hair Project, it's all to draft. I could put it back up at any time. I'm not gonna. Um, and on um, Dreamwitz, it's just uh, archived to admin. So I, it, they're not gone. They're, they're just not available. So. It's just this is all so unnecessary. And honestly, to attack somebody because they took took away a fic you wanted to read, it's just wow. Move on. I mean, you need you need you need you need more hobbies or something. You become too entrenched in. You become too entrenched in fandom if what you do in that kind of situation is to heap abuse on somebody. And honestly, heap abuse just for saying no, and walking away. Like, what? There's that's just. Hmm. Did we lose Kira? Oh no, she's muted. That was um, not. I was talking. <laughs> I forget what I said. <laughs> um, well, not to me. You weren't. I just. You don't. Phantom doesn't have the. Here we go with the right. You can feel how you feel, but you don't actually have the right. The right. It isn't a right to run around and abuse other people. And if you do, you don't get to bitch about the consequences. Right? When you behave shitty, there's consequences sometimes. That's just life. And there is this um, belief in fandom that writers have to tolerate 
trollish behavior and oh you know oh be good about it don't respond just delete move on forget it happened or um and i do delete a lot um you're supposed to tolerate it and uh, not let it get to us and move on from it and not be thin-skinned i am not thin-skinned and there's a difference between setting a boundary and being overly sensitive and being told that you're overly sensitive or you're being too sensitive or you or you have a thin skin that's that's gaslighting that's them telling you that you're not allowed to have a boundary because your boundary makes them uncomfortable and therefore it's your fault and fuck that and fuck them new title of the podcast fuck that fuck them <laughs> Oh no, I'm pretty fond of my little toxic mushrooms. <laughs> the toxic mushrooms are great. I actually made the art for this podcast February 8th. <laughs> so this is this topic has been on my mind for a while. I mean, I think that you guys probably have noticed that based on what I've been writing on um my, my dream with um about polyphandomous um you know uh the concepts of of, poly, of a polyphandomous life. Um and um, the tortured writer trope, and um, finding inspiration, and um, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about that final straw, that last grain of sand, because there is one. There is that one grain of st sand is the difference between, you know, steady and tipping. Shadow, I spent a lot of time thinking about the art. For, and I actually replaced my winter um, newsletter banner um, because today um, I expecto patronum some stuff out of my of my phantom life. <laughs> She's all, oh hell no! <laughs> I expectoed that shit. <laughs> I'm not saying those people were dementors. Said they were sucking the joy out of her her pairing. That's dementorish, yeah. And I would honestly say that Harmony is my OTP for Harry Potter, and so if I want to protect that in me, then I need to to get out of those spaces and ignore those spaces that exist, and ignore those people, and not be involved in anything that they do because it's just like nope. I just can't. You just got to you got to protect your. We said it in other podcasts. You got to protect your mind palace. I'm trying to figure out if I rule 63 um, Hermione, what the name would be. Um, and I'm not fond of that Hermes thing. I think that it, it's actually my headcanon that um, her parents named her Hermione because of Shakespeare. Um, so I would probably like look through um, the characters um, in various Shakespeare plays and find a male name that I like. But no, definitely not Hamlet. Come on now. <laughs> not Hamlet, not Romeo. <laughs> um. Oh, nobody from Hamlet. Um, but um, I like Lysander. Is is that how you say that? Lysander? That means lion, right? I like that. The live action Mulan should be in theaters. Or it should be close to being in theaters. March 27th. Yeah, pretty close. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, I mean... The thing is, is I... I mean, I might rule 63 Hermione, but I wouldn't rule 63 Harry Potter. Which gives me another slash pairing in Harry Potter, which I'm not mad at. But I would definitely cast Tom Holland as the female Hermione. Male Hermione. 
<laughs> just went off the rails there. <laughs> Tom Holland. I, I'm just, I'm deeply attached to Harry Potter as a character, as he is, just as he is. I think it's the same reason why Jilly can't rule sixty three Bilbo. I, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> She's just deeply attached to Bilbo Baggins, just the way he is. He's practically perfect in every way. Leave him alone. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Different fandom, but it just popped into my brain. I I really enjoy the character of Bella Rose. I mean, and it's, it's just it's just because as 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 I said more than once, um, the Hobbit is a weenie roast, and um, I got fed up, and I just put some chicks in there. I mean, I, you know, Jilly would rather you know chickify Thorin, which I'm about I'm behind that too. I'm I'm game. Bring it on, Queen under the mountain. I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i i mean i i do like me my slash pairings though so i mean yeah. i i could i could bring in more female characters in a in a way that isn't you know rules but i just i could definitely i i don't have any pro actually weird i could read rule 63 of thorin just fine i just some characters i just don't they don't translate to me in a, with a gender change. I, I've actually read Dinozo, actually. So you can see people think it's just... Some people have thought that the Rule 63 thing was about characters that I like. I don't want to see the Rule 63. And that's not true, because I have read some... Y'all know Tony's my unicorn. And I've read some Rule 63 Tony that I enjoyed. Um, but this other... Other uh, other people, other characters, it just they don't work for me in Rule 63. It just doesn't. So... And I'm not looking for anybody to send me stuff to change my mind. So <laughs> this will change your mind. No, actually, it probably won't. <laughs> It'll honestly, just make it worse. And now I hate you. <laughs> and and at, the, at the risk, at the risk of throwing down the gauntlet, if Kira can't change my mind about Bilbo, you can't. So just go away. I put my back into it. <laughs> It's not like I didn't try to read one of one of her. I don't remember which one, but I did try to read one of one of them. I just got, didn't get very far before I went. Nope, no, 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 no. Well, you know, maybe you just try to look at her as an original character. And I got that advice, except I'm not interested in reading Thorin OC. I'm interested in reading <laughs> Thorin Bilbo. <laughs> if I was interested in reading Thorin OC, I, I've got a lot of choices, right? So, I mean. Mind you, I did re I did write Thorn with somebody else, but <laughs> do as do as she says, not as she does. <laughs> hey, my reading habits and my writing habits are not always in sync. There's stuff there's stuff I read that I wouldn't write on a bet, and there's stuff true, I apparently true. write that I wouldn't read. So there you go. I mean, that is honestly like a thousand percent true in Hannibal. I mean, I read some things in Hannibal that I would know. No, how did I get here? How how did I, it is four o'clock in the morning and this is my fifth story? How how did I get here? I am ten pages deep into the Hanagram tag, and you're like, I can't do this. This is just, it's kind of weird and kind of wrong. And 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 will digresses. <laughs> and will digresses. <laughs> I and the thing is, I enjoyed I enjoyed every minute of will digressing. I would not write that on a bet. <laughs> <laughs> on a bet, you, you have to pay, and I say you have to pay me a lot. And actually, you're not allowed to pay me for fan fiction, so <laughs> I just can't. I just can't go there. I mean, 
But I read the <laughs> hell out of it and laughed my ass off the whole way. And the worse uh-huh. Hannibal was, the more amused I was by it. And it's ridiculous. And it's sort of like, and the same thing, I mean, I actually read a lot of Harry Neville. I actually, I don't think I could write it. That's true. That's true. Desert Desert Pope pointed out that uh, I didn't love the Bilbo Thorin pairing as much then as I do now when I wrote Hospitality of Hobbits. So, I mean, sometimes our taste changes over time. Um, I mean, there was a time when I wouldn't have read, I wouldn't have read or written Rule sixty three. I wrote a whole big article on Live Journal once about how how unacceptable it was. <laughs> But I'll tell you what I don't do. I do not read Rule 63 work from people who don't write Slash. Because if you're not writing Slash, my assumption is that if everything you write is Rule 63, that it's because you're homophobic. And I'm not here for it. That assumption could be wrong sometimes, but I think it's right a lot of the time. Yeah, well, it does, I mean, Rule 63 kind of originated in... A, Maybe not originated, but a lot of it in fandom for a very long time was about homophobia. It was about people not wanting to write, you know, oh, if only, you know, that kid, that, you know, you'd see things like, oh, those characters, you know, they, they have such great chemistry. It's too bad one of them's not a woman. And then somebody would write, they go, well, we'll just make one of them a woman. And I get it's evolved way beyond that. And there are some great writers who do Rule 63 and do it really, really well. Um, but there's still that dark like aspect of it. Some people, some people do it for homophobic reasons. And it's one of those things you can't just write somebody and go, are you a raging homophobe? Or is this just a thing you really like to do? Cause you know, I don't <laughs> but do that. I think that homophobia thing. comes out in the thick in other ways. Yeah. But I don't want to get knee deep into it and find out. Right. I mean, it also, there, and this is going to sound really weird. I mean, it's going to sound really weird, but there's also in some rule 63 work, there is this like ugly thread of misogyny. Like suddenly a rule 63 McKay isn't as smart as the male version of McKay. Suddenly the rule 63 female isn't, I mean, the, the, the female McKay isn't as accomplished as the male McKay. Um, uh, she doesn't get uh, the same job opportunities as the female McKay, as the male McKay. She isn't as respected for her, her intelligence as McKay. Um, she gets dismissed because she's a woman. She doesn't stand up for herself when she gets dismissed because she's a woman. She's um she's weak, Infer- she's a weak inferior carbon copy of Rodney McKay, with no dick. How about no? I'm just not here for it. Or otherwise, it's just like a really thin veil of femaleness on top of Rodney, um where there's no consideration for what a woman would have done, or had done to them to accomplish the position that McKay had. A guy with boobs, yeah. I mean, and there's just and there's, and there's just no character work done on the female version of this character that you're writing, and it's you know, and it's it's ugly, and I think that's where the homophobia shows up is that they didn't want to do the actual work to create a woman, but they didn't want to write a man, so they just changed the name and kept all the character work, and it's ugly. Yeah, and there's some writers who do a really great job of doing the character work and figuring out how these characters would actually be. 
and it really shows that um, they're do they're doing the work. They're doing the work, and but it is something that the thing is. I mean, I I do it when I when I see a rule sixty three writer, somebody wrecks through rule sixty three fic. I do go look to see if this is all they write. And I don't mind if it's most of what they write, but you know, if it's pretty much if it's if they never write a slash pairing, but they're always rule sixty threeing a conventionally slash pairing. It speaks to an ugly issue. It it it's a red flag. It may not be true. It may be a bad assumption, but you know, it is. What it I is. have a small time. I I have a a limited amount of time to read on a regular basis. I've got a lot on my plate, right? So I'm not going to waste my time reading something that I can't trust. Yeah, it's going to slap me in the face an hour later. I mean, you've you, you've wasted an hour of my life, and now I realize that you're, you know. A giant bag of dicks. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I do not want homophobia slapping me in the face when I'm reading. That just is like or bone deep misogyny either. Yeah, that too. I capture too much misogyny in fandom. Um, you would think a, a space that's a lot female would be not quite like that, but you know. Um. Before we wrap it, does anybody have anything about fandom toxicity that they, or just internet toxicity, or about just toxic people in general that they would like to bring up for us to discuss? <laughs> yeah, people suck. That's fair. People. People do. They do suck. I agree. I mean, fandom. There are there are lots of toxic social constructs that we deal with on a regular basis um and fandom is one of them but in a lot of respects fandom is one that we voluntarily um engage in so you can kind of shave off the parts you don't like and ignore them not go to these spaces. Don't look at comment sections of fix that you like because there's going to be some asshole in there being an asshole. Um, don't join Facebook groups. Uh, be careful about the Discord spaces that you frequent. Um, you opt out of a fandom space, you're protecting your mental um, resources. And definitely, if you're in a space where there's where there's no moderation or the moderation team is involved in really toxic behaviors that is not a good place to be that is a huge red flag if your moderators aren't the voice of reason and the voice of sanity and saying hey you you need to not be an asshole then that is not a safe space to be in any other thoughts jillian i don't I mean, think so no i just you know i mean I guess if people had like one takeaway, you know, it's like, um, however you feel when something happens is, is fine. But as I said, feelings are not facts and you need to stop and consider what's actually going on and consider how you want to be in fandom, how you want to be in your online community. Ask yourself, would you behave like this in person? And, and then outside of your own behavior, with the people around you, would you associate with somebody who behaved like that in real life? If the answer is no, why would you behave? Why would you associate with them 
in an online community, you know? And yeah, it's a little bit different because you can, you know, in a big community that you're getting something positive out of, if there's one or two toxic people, maybe you can ignore them. Um, but toxic people who just go unchecked, it's it sort of sort of like tacit permission for them to keep doing it. They get validation for their bad behavior. And the other thing is the dogpiling. You know, either way, whether you're protecting somebody or whether you're, you know, jumping in on a bashing on somebody, it's just not a good thing. And I mean, <laughs> mob mentality is kind of like there's there's something in the human brain that kind of lends itself to going with the mob. Um, but you have the opportunity every time one of these things occurs to take a step back and, and not not go there. I'm not trying to be the, you know, the behavior police or anything, but I like associating with people who can regulate their own emotions and can consider their responses before they pop off. And um, we just want some adults. I need some adulting. fucking adulting. I need some adulting. Adulting is sexy and exhausting. Mostly exhausting. <laughs> yeah. But it's sexy. And you know what else is sexy? Competence. <laughs> Competence is like, whoa. We we there was there was a super, super, super competent like person, like anti-holsters. I mean, there's somebody who today was just who was just pointing out there was like a, a, a bashing. Somebody like made a made a comment that was just like bitchy and bashy, and it was like whatever. Um and someone and someone handled that situation like a boss, like a boss. And I was like, that was sexy. They weren't abusive. They weren't, they were just like, you know, do you know what your behavior looks like? It was, it was all the adulting. If she'd had some thigh holsters on, <laughs> I'm like, damn. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm gonna give her honorary thigh holsters. I am. <laughs> Anyways, I um I hope that this podcast has um been um helpful and validating and um that you learn something and um that going forward in our spaces we will be a little more courteous of one another and a little more patient um and a little kinder. So Say good night, Julie. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>